All right, we're live. All right, welcome back to Talk with the Army. I'm your co-host, Delilah. And I'm your co-host, Daisy. And today, uh, once again, implied by the title, but we are going to talk about fandom policing, uh, especially because there seems to have just been a lot more division on ARMY Twitter the last couple of weeks, even months than usual, so we felt it was a good time to talk about this, especially with Comeback being announced. Right. Um, I know that when it comes to fandom policing, it's been a really hot topic as of late. Um, and, you know, something that I've definitely seen recently is that as much as there are, like, there's an increase in, like, people who are policing in the fandom, but then there's also been an increase in just some, like, really weird instances of just, like... I don't know. It seems like it seems like there is some type of like faction, like some type of faction of like problematic people that definitely need addressing. But I feel like this topic just never really gets the nuance it deserves. But, you know, that's why we're here. You know, we come on to discuss these things and really just dissect what is going on here. So I feel like with that, we can just get straight into the episode. So as always, we like to start with definitions. So for people who don't know, you know, what is fandom policing? It just means that, like, people in the fandom kind of just take up the role of, like, almost like a police officer where they tell people how to act, what to do, they try and keep people in line, and that's really more um, as a way of trying to preserve the reputation of the fandom um, in terms of how people perceive us from the outside. Um, and that's been a thing for pretty much any fandom you go into, but it's been especially prevalent in ours for reasons that we're going to get into a bit later. Right. Um, when it comes to a big fandom like armies, of course there is going to be a lot of people that are going to have this sense or obligation to fulfill a certain role. Um, I think fulfilling a role in a fandom helps you feel connected and grounded in the fandom, especially because a big fandom can cause you to kind of feel lost in a sense. Like, where do I fit in? You know, you have people that are quote-unquote art armies. They're producing fan art. They're doing this and all of these really cool creative things. You have the translators, you have the video editors, and and so people people want to take up space. Um, and I think that is something that fandom policing does for these people. It allows them to take up space and be present. That's actually a good point that you make about people wanting to feel like they're doing something in the fandom because one thing that, you know, is definitely different from other fandoms that I see in the ARMY fandom is just all the different sectors of the fandom that there are. Um, Like, obviously, yes, there's going to be some things that are the same as other fandoms, such as, like, you know, fan artists and, you know, editors and stuff like that. You know, a lot of fandoms do have that. Although, you know, you have sectors such as, for example, uh, 
you have uh, one in an army, which is, you know, the big charity fan base that we have. You have, you know, all these um, accounts that are dedicated to different professions, such as like, I know that there's, um, you know, army fan bases that are dedicated to things like computer science or things like law or things like, uh, I know there's a medical union and then you have those accounts that help tutor student armies. Like there are many different things that I've seen in the fandom that are not present in other fandoms that I've been in. So definitely when you have all these people who are doing all these different things, you know, naturally you're going to want to be something or have some sort of focus. And that's what can lead people to resort to fandom policing. But Honestly, in, you know, a lot of cases when it comes to fandom policing, I feel like the people who do the policing really just have some sort of god complex over the fandom. Is that just me? No, I definitely feel that. Um, especially when um, it makes people kind of question their enjoyment. Like, you'll see some people... Um, have like laughing at a post or people are having fun with it and then all it takes is just one person with a few followers to be like hmm you really thought you ate and now suddenly <laughs> they're getting jumped when everyone was just fine um and it and it just it just like makes people question their moral judgment and it's like that person shouldn't have the capacity to do that well actually no that that's incorrect i feel like honestly a big way that we learn right and wrong is through socialization and the reactions mm. from others so i would say that's incorrect um however i also think that you know it, it should be opinions from multiple people, not just, you know, one person that says, hey, um, this isn't right. Um, and then, like, everyone suddenly just changes their mind and is like, oh, yes, you're, you're like, you're correct. And it's like, but why? We get that a lot. Um, sometimes people will tag me or Daisy in a post and be like, hmm, um, you follow this person. And then we'll read the tweet and there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> and so <laughs> we're talking to each other and it's like, well, do you see the problem? Uh, is it is it a lack of reading comprehension? Like, we don't understand. Um, and so when it comes to, you know, things like that, where all of a sudden people are saying, oh, unfollow this person for saying this and this. And then you see what the person said and actually look at it. And it's like, why are we jumping this person and why do people feel like they have the authority of who others interact with right when it comes to that in fact it even reminds me of a tweet that's very popular on army twitter where um i think they said something along the lines of laughing on army twitter feels like you're laughing at a funeral like you're laughing during a funeral and like honestly that could, that is so true in so many cases because sometimes you might be laughing at something and suddenly like you said one person will be like oh am i the only one who didn't find this funny and then suddenly everybody who was 
they were laughing at the tweet before and now suddenly everybody's jumping the person who made the tweet and it's like what's with the switch up and this definitely like plays into a lot about cancel culture and i know that we've talked about the psychology of cancel culture on this podcast i believe it was episode 12 or something no not episode 12 it was somewhere around that area but uh it might have been episode like 11 or 10 but um when we had talked about cancel culture and how so many people just cancel either for the sake of canceling or because they don't want to be seen as somebody who associates with something that the majority deems is problematic and you always want to be in good books and this is also why um solos can manipulate a lot of people online solos and mentees and that sort of thing because you know they'll say that something is i don't know anti of a member like they'll call somebody an anti of a specific member and then you know anybody who associates with that person isn't like by default an anti of that member and you don't want to be called an anti but you're not going to go and look to see if they truly are or aren't an anti because even if they weren't if you go and say that online then you're going to get jumped so the idea is just that you go along with what the crowd is saying so you don't end up getting canceled and i feel like this lack of research is just really been harming people as of late because i you know you know me being like a pretty big account i get that sort of thing a lot and i there was even one time where somebody had tagged me in something and they were like oh like you're following this account and i was like oh what did they do that was problematic because i read like what they had sent me and like i was just not understanding the context and then when they explained to them like when they explained what like the context was to me I was like, okay, but like, how exactly is this problematic? I'm not necessarily sure why we're canceling this person. And after like a few back and forth exchanges, they changed their mind. And I'm like, so you just had to read the tweet a couple more times before you realized that it actually wasn't problematic. So it's like, you can tell that sometimes people really just don't read what people are saying properly. Like they'll see that somebody has said that is problematic and then they'll like send the screenshots, but it's like, okay, but did you actually like read what you were sending? Exactly. And the fact that you can just have a conversation with someone and really discuss the context of the tweet and have that person change their mind it kind of shows that you know there is nuance and people do not want to look for nuance that i think i think when we live in a world of um social media and we have things like tiktok and before tiktok we had vine and vine you know tiktok lasts you know they go up to like two minutes now but vine was six seconds you had six seconds to make a creative video and you're just scrolling and scrolling and watching six second videos your attention span is getting shorter and shorter and that's why so many people don't like to sit through you know 20 30 minute youtube videos because they don't have the attention span for it um right and i think as a byproduct of that we are now seeing people just wanting to read something once, um, get meaning from it right away, and not have to think about it any further. And thus, nuance and context, it, it is thrown out the window because we are just, we want to be able to react to it immediately as soon as we're exposed to it. 
Yeah, because even with how Twitter is formatted, because like the whole like concept of Twitter is this idea of microblogging, but as a result, similar to Vine, it's really, really dulled people's attention span to the point where if you have like a thread that's more than like five tweets long, some people are really just like, I'm not reading all that. And it's like, you're not reading what, like two paragraphs? Are you kidding me? So it's like, it's really frustrating to see um that people are just so willing to just completely ignore what somebody is saying or listen to any explanations or clarifications because they're just looking for a way to get meaning out of the very first read even if that meaning isn't even cor the correct thing or it's not presented in the best context or it's just literally not what the person had even said like you know like everybody knows the famous tweet where it's like oh um you know, I could say that I like pancakes and somebody could reply, so you hate waffles. No, that's a whole new sentence. What are you talking about? That's literally what happens on Twitter all the time because people just refuse to read things properly, to research properly, and that can lead to a lot of bad consequences. Right. Um, there, There's just too many instances where people are just completely annihilated on the internet for something they didn't even say people inserted their own context into it and whoever posted the original post can't even defend themselves from that because everyone is having a completely different conversation right because they'll come out and like explain what they meant they're like oh, that's not what you said in your tweet. I'm like, no, that's not what you thought I said in my tweet, but I know the meaning of my tweet. How are you going to argue with the original poster as to what they meant with their tweet? Obviously, I know that there are some cases where people just genuinely lie for real and some things can genuinely just be poorly worded. Um, but even poorly worded, I would put in an asterisk because that is subjective and, you know, people's like takeaways from certain things are all going to be different. Um, but even still, like if somebody is really telling you, hey, that's not what I meant, this is what I meant, and you're still telling them, no, you didn't mean that, it's like, who are you arguing with? You're literally arguing with the original post and you're telling them what they meant by their own post. Like, that's so whack. Mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely um, a problem that's not just with armies, like that's just not an army fandom problem that's a everyone that is present on the internet problem um and right. so i think when that logic gets applied to the army fandom um because it is a fandom space i think that's why we feel more inclined to do something about it because it's a, it's supposed to be a space where you can not have to think so much and just you're, it's supposed to be fun at the end of the day it's supposed to be fun uh just point blank if you're if you're not having fun then you should probably kind of do some reflecting and ask yourself why you're not having fun and then see if you can do something about it by going from there because that's really what should be the goal um and so when we get these you know purple officers <laughs> in our in our fan the borahe brigade <laughs> borahe brigade 
um, when they start dictating what is and isn't okay to tweet at uh, or tweet about. Um, and you can tell there is bias depending on if the tweet is like a big account or small account. Um, right. but also I think that has to come with a lot of times big accounts and small accounts have different audiences. So, um, it, it's really, it's, it's becomes, it just becomes a mess. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, yeah. and it's complicated. Yeah, it's complicated, but I think there are some, um, reasons that a lot of people give for policing is something that me and Daisy just can't ever agree with, and that always has to do with, oh, how will armies be perceived, and, like, the perception of the fandom, and I think we're gonna talk a lot about that in, basically, the rest of this episode, because that is just, you know, oh, what will people think of armies, and blah, 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 that seems to be the biggest concern, and it's a dumb concern. Like, we're just going to say it's a dumb concern, and here's why. Exactly. So, segueing into our next section, which is really just about the reputation of the ARMY fandom. First of all, how are armies perceived by others? Now, I'm assuming that a lot of our listener base is on Twitter, but there's always going to be people who aren't. Although, to be honest, I feel like the perception of the ARMY fandom is pretty much the same across every social media platform. So in terms of how we're perceived, if you just miraculously happen to not be on social media at all, and honestly, I don't know how you do that, but good luck to you. Um, You know, armies over the years have always been seen as the most toxic fandom. And we've talked about how um, incorrect this is, you know, in previous episodes, but in terms of how we're perceived, that's just how it is. People hate us, both K-pop fans and non-K-pop fans. People think that we're, as a whole, toxic, problematic, disrespectful, um, that we say a lot of things that can be misogynistic or other things that are maybe even like racist. And, you know, this is just like adding on to the already like misogynistic perceptions um, people have about boy band fandoms in general that were all just a bunch of like screaming hormonal teenage girls and you know that's a whole other can of worms but in terms of like whether people think that as a whole we are a good or a bad fandom most people who are really not familiar with the inner workings of the fandom will tell you that overall we're a bad fandom and they may say that about like every k-pop fandom or just every music fandom in general but it's really just exacerbated for us and the reason why we're perceived that way honestly i feel like it's just a matter of flipping the script to deflect attention away from themselves because when it comes to the actions that we've actually done as a whole like collectively as a fandom it does not match up to the problematic things that people have done to our fandom or other fandoms and their artists over the years and you know we've talked about this on um that one episode i think it was did third gen ruin k-pop and um like third gen fans are not nearly as toxic as some of the og like gen one gen two k-pop fans because those people were as we said in that episode they were quite literally beating each other up on the streets because they were in different fandoms so armies we do not 
we, we do not do that. You know, a lot of us especially communicate online. So with the rise of social media, I feel like physical altercations just kind of naturally died out. And, you know, honestly, good for us. I'm not trying to like square up with an XOL in the street. Ew. Um, but like, in terms of like how toxic we really are, it's really just been so over exaggerated, over uh, dramatized and Collectively as a fandom, I've never seen such amazing, intelligent, like smart people. And it's really unfair having to deal with these stereotypes because, well, we'll get into that later, but it's just unfair overall. I think a lot of it also has to do with people associate BTS and ARMYs as like the same thing. In right. a sense, like, BTS is armies and armies is BTS. So if you don't like BTS or if you think their success is fabricated or you don't understand the hype about BTS, then, of course, you're going to have a negative reaction to whenever you see their fans. Because right. if seeing BTS makes you upset and you don't get it and you don't understand why other people get it, then, of course, you're going to treat their fans poorly. Right. And even like um, for like K-pop fans, um, I feel like there is like definitely a section of those types of people who are like probably in that ex-army to anti-pipeline where like people will have a bad experience with the fandom and then somehow make that reflect back onto bts like for example like if an army was being toxic to somebody and uh, then that person will somehow carry that toxicity over to bts and suddenly it's like for some reason they can't stand bts the same way anymore because all they can do is just associate it with the negative uh interaction that they've had with the army and so eventually they just start loving BTS less and less and then they just eventually unstand. And while I can understand why people do that, I still feel like that's not a healthy way to do things because unstanding people simply because the fandom was a problem for you just does not make any sense to me because people can send hate to me however much they want to and whenever they want to i'm still in this purple stuff for life bro like i am a for lifer with bts so anyone who has a problem with that honestly they can kick rocks and while sometimes yes the hate can get to me the negativity can affect me it's still not going to affect my love for the artist and so when people use the fandom as an excuse to unstand bts it's like baby i don't even think you're a fan of them anyway Right. Mm -hmm. um, that's obviously something we talked about in our um, Army to Anti-Pipeline episode, so there's no need to dive too much into it. But it is really funny how someone that wasn't in the fandom for very long, a lot of times it's very short, um, they suddenly act like the spokesperson of Army wrongdoings. They love to say, oh... I was an army and I stopped because blah 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 or I used to be an army so I can attest to the fact that blah 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 like who are you like why is your opinion more important than someone that's actively in the fandom experiencing it yeah and that could even be like a whole conversation as to not even like baby armies versus like veteran armies but also like 
casual fans versus actual fans where you have people who are genuinely interacting with the fandom every day or at least on a regular basis and they see how it operates and can understand that yes while there are factions of the fandom that are problematic as with there is with like as there is with like every other fandom that still doesn't represent them as a whole and you can make that separation but then there are some people who do have a lot more of a shallow experience with standing bts and while it's not a problem to be a casual fan i do take issue with casual fans who take who treat themselves as like actual fans and then just speak over everybody who has been here either for a long time or who is in it deeper than they are and so then suddenly they act like a representative for the fandom when they barely even interacted with the fandom that much so obviously people are going to be mad at that and in terms of like the whole baby army versus veteran army thing you know there are sometimes newer fans who do feel like they have a voice over other armies who've been there and that can also be frustrating but again you have to make the separation between that faction of either casual fans or baby army and then the faction of those who don't do that but then some people don't make that separation and then that's what leads to the generalizations that end up being this very blank uh this very like broad like generalization of the fandom where it's like oh armies are xyz you know exactly um and so oh, oh my goodness where'd the outline go there we go <laughs> um and i mean we know for a fact that even though a lot of the perception of the fandom of course is going to reflect on bts you see that a lot lots of artists they're like oh i hate how so-and-so artist you know just lets their fans behave like so-and-so but in, in this situation i feel like people already w were looking for a reason to dislike bts because they already dislike them but they need a better reason for it, and so they can just pin their dislike for BTS on the fandom. So they actively look for the fandom being toxic so they can dislike BTS, which I think is unfair, and why, you know, armies specifically needing to worry about their image is, is pointless, because they never liked BTS in the first place, and armies having a good image isn't going to fix that. Right. You know, one thing I could definitely think of is just confirmation bias. And if you don't know what confirmation bias is, um, for all our listeners here, I'll explain that. So what confirmation bias is, is that like you actively seek out like opinions and views that agree with what you already believe in to then further cement your own beliefs. So for example, let's say that um, I believe that... Um, I don't know. I believe that the sky is green and people are like, no, you idiot. The sky is blue. But instead of me looking for information in general to see, okay, what are people saying about this topic overall? I'm looking for information that will confirm my beliefs of the sky being green. So then the second that I find one article saying, it's true, the sky is green, I'm gonna go to people and say, oh see, I told you the sky is green, even though that one article pales in comparison to like the 50 million other articles that are telling you that the sky is blue. But they don't care about all those 50 million articles telling you the sky is blue. They only care about the one that's telling them the sky is green. And that's what people do with confirmation bias where 
people will say that the fandom is toxic and then people will be like no as a whole it's unfair to generalize this like that so then what they'll go and do is they'll go and cherry pick instances of people in the fandom being toxic and be like oh see that's proof that all of you are problematic when no it's really just proof that that one person is problematic you can't use that person to represent the entire fandom and this is conversations that we've had multiple times but still people don't get it and that's why we need to continue having them exactly um and i think that we also need to figure out if we're going to you know police armies if that's the move that we're doing where where is the line going to be drawn because uh, i want to get to the next um part of this armies are the biggest fandom in the world and everything we do is constantly monitored by journalists and other fandoms the music industry we we really can't have any peace at all we know that they're even um they're scoping out weavers to see what bts and armies are talking about in there they are in our clubhouse spaces our twitter spaces like they we're constantly being monitored 24 7 like it's george orwell's 1984 um i'm it's, dead <laughs> it's ridiculous um and so if we're constantly having to uphold some perfect image for the world to see because it, it is bts is a world class artist you know they are the number one artist in the world so of course their fandom um as a result is going to also be in the spotlight and if we constantly are trying to uphold some good image about us not only is that unsustainable wh when can we have when are we going to be able to have fun um, I think exactly. it is. I think it is annoying how we will like armies will be joking about something, and then like Twitter will make it a topic, and then have a caption about how like armies think this, and it's like no, we don't. <laughs> right. No. No one. No one said that. We were just. We were just joking. We were just having fun. And while that is annoying, I also don't want us to stop having fun because people like to twist everything armies do. Like, I don't think that's fair for us. And um, I kind of wish instead we would just... Yeah, I don't care if this is making BTS look bad. We should continue telling journalists to shut up, um, <laughs> stay in their place. If you're not going to do your due diligence as a journalist and actually do research... And actually write something that um, is of value and you're clearly just like some underpaid writer that needs to submit uh, 300 words by the end of the week um, don't write about armies okay write about someone else <laughs> right exactly and first of all to any journalist out there who does do that because they have some sort of 300 word deadline that they have to submit by the end of the week First of all, that's weak sauce. 300 words is nothing. I literally wrote my entire literature review in a single day, the day of the deadline, and I still got 92% on that. So get your bread up. Second of all, when it comes to the way that we're monitored on here, it is actually insane. Like you were talking about like people in our clubhouse spaces, because there have been people who have quoted things that ARMY said in clubhouse spaces. I've seen articles like that. And people are like, if we can't even be on clubhouse and talk about stuff like 
what are we gonna do because like it's one thing to use twitter because obviously so many armies are active on twitter but then to just go to other spaces and then just quote what we're saying when you haven't gotten our consent to do so i feel like it's incredibly dishonest of people especially when they are army journalists Honestly, I feel like just because you're a journalist, that doesn't mean that you have the right to just be doing that. I understand it's a public platform and you're not necessarily doing anything legally wrong, but it's definitely in a moral gray area because I just don't see how you can just be using us as your research fodder or whatever and just be taking things that we're saying here and there one off and then suddenly what i'm like what i've said in a clubhouse space is now being quoted in an article that's that's insane to me and you know i feel like it's really unfair the way that we are just put under this microscope anywhere that we go and people are always looking to see what we're up to and it's still worse on Twitter, I feel, um, because everybody's just looking to figure out what we're doing on Twitter. Um, like, for example, like in some Twitter spaces that armies have held, like like um, on occasion, I will see these like verified accounts just pop in and out. And it's like I look at their profile and they're not even in a fan account. And I'm like, so what are you doing here? Like, why are you even listening to our conversations? They're all just listening to figure out some way that they can report about us. And it's always mm -hmm. in the most negative light, even um, when BTS, like when it's like armies responding to BTS going, like experiencing like racist remarks and stuff. Like, cause obviously with the start of this pandemic, the amount of anti-Asian hate has just increased and BTS have obviously fallen victim to that. But when we respond to things like that, you will see like the way that Twitter captions things that are trending by armies that they're trying to downplay what is going on. For example, like when the whole, um, thing happened with that German radio host, who had basically compared BTS to COVID-19 and had trashed their Coldplay cover and basically said that they should take a vacation to North Korea and all that problematic stuff. And armies were responding to that. I remember Twitter just tagged the caption as like, oh, armies are mad at this German radio host. And like, I think they even said like for like allegedly being racist or something, they basically implied that they weren't actually racist, but armies were just saying that. And so like the wording of that was just like really, really insidious. And people have told mm -hmm. Twitter that like that type of stuff really is not okay. But obviously it's Twitter. They don't listen also, to us. So. Also, there was the thing I think with like Blackpink or Blackpink fans. It was when that um, you know that group chat that's always being problematic. I I can't remember exactly what the Twitter topic was. Um, what they captioned it, but it was something like it completely made it seem like armies were like saying. It seemed, made it seem like armies were being the aggressors and were um, just like hating on Blackpink, and it it like completely removed all context and wasn't even what the issue was about. Like they made up their own narrative, and of course that made us even more mad. Um, right. And then I also remember when I think it was not this past Grammys, but the Grammys before that Grammys, and we were having Twitter Spaces. Um, and we would see journalists, you know, in the reply, like, not in the replies, but, like, in the Twitter spaces listening. And I really liked how armies were calling that out. They're like, we see you here in our space. We see you here 
and you know we're talking about all of these issues with the grammys so you better report on this correctly or don't report on it at all exactly and i like the fact that armies were taking a stand against that because so many journalists will like it's crazy how sometimes like they will literally see in front of their eyes what is happening or they'll be listening to us talk about the issue and they'll still reporting it wrong so absolutely if a journalist is going to be in the twitter space i'll be like yo i see you and if your article is trash best believe we're going to jump you because these journalists and just other people who are observing our fandom need to take responsibility um, for how they talk about us because a lot of times they just completely miss out context and all this kind of stuff and it's stuff that we've talked about in our podcast before and you know for example like D'Angelo you know with his whole thing about how he talks about BTS and just K-pop in general you can clearly see that like there is a huge amount of ignorance that there is going around in terms of people who are outside of the K-pop community and to be honest, even in the K-pop community. Um, and honestly, to like bring this back to the original topic at hand, that is no fault of armies. Because at the end of the day, like I said, it's the music industry, it's the fandoms of other artists, it's the celebrities and it's the journalists who are going out of their way to completely misconstrue armies actions. And so the need to censor ourselves even further is just completely frustrating because it's one thing to censor somebody who's done something genuinely wrong but like armies will just be talking about something and then what we say just gets completely misconstrued and somehow we're the ones who need to tone it down that just doesn't make any sense right it's it's just not fair that we have to basically hide um, just so people don't take what we say out of context. It's really exhausting. Um, because I think, yes, we, you know, we deserve to be respected. But honestly, it, it as long as what we're doing, you know, isn't actually impacting BTS's success in any way, which, um, in a negative way, of course, like, obviously we're impacting BTS's success, but usually in a positive <laughs> circumstance, um, but nothing we've ever done has created a negative, um, impact, and so I think as long as we focus on BTS and BTS are doing fine, I really think we should stop worrying about trying to gain, um, respect from people that don't have any respect to give to us or like they have it but it's just not reserved for us and i'm not gonna beg for it agreed and so i feel like we can go on to our next section where we talk about how self-policing can sometimes just go way too far in the fandom because like I was talking about before, it's one thing if somebody was genuinely problematic and we have to remind each other to be kind and respectful, but then in terms of like some armies keeping other armies in line, um, as I said in the beginning of the video, some people just genuinely have a god complex and so it just never works out when they try and police people. So some ways in which like armies can do too much self-policing is first of all not letting armies have any negative opinions about any event or person that is associated with bts and that is something that has definitely come up so frequently especially when it comes to the topic of grammys or enlistment exactly 
um, when it when it comes to you know when it comes to Grammys and enlistment, it is something that we are a little bit exhausted um, about because at this point we feel we feel like we just keep repeating ourselves and just running in circles, especially with enlistment because the media has been talking about this since two thousand seventeen. And Jin wasn't even close enough, um, like, he wasn't even, he had, like, maybe, like, two more years before he actually even had to enlist, so it's not like Jin was right on the cuffs of enlistment, and yet they were still talking about it, and it's, like, fast forward, and we're still talking about it, so, like, it's a, well, in 2017, you know, the Grammys wasn't really on our radar, um, in 2017, um, Billboard top 10 hot 100 wasn't on our radar we didn't get number one on the billboard hot 200 albums chart until love yourself tear which was summer 2018 so um so a lot of things that you know we we focus and care about of course are going to change um throughout the years and i think that you know when it comes to things like the grammys that's just a subject that it's probably going to go on for probably a few more years, um, unfortunately. Either until BTS get a Grammy or stop being nominated for them. Right. And, you know, as we were saying, the topic of the Grammys is definitely something that has a lot of controversy because, as we all know, the Grammys has a lot of racism in its voting committee. And... That's really one of the biggest reasons why their Korean work has never been acknowledged. And it's also why even the English work that does get acknowledged by the Recording Academy never really gets its flowers the way that it deserves, even though BTS are on par with all the artists that they are nominated against and sometimes even outsell them. And I've talked about this before on my main about how the criteria of the you know best pop duo group award in the Grammys is just like the criteria is very vague and so because of the fact that it's vague then it's easier for the recording and changing to sn- they change it all the time oh yeah it's true they do change it all the time which makes it easy for the recording academy to snub people and you can't even say that it's unfair because nobody really knows what the criteria is and what it would take to actually win the award. So people could say, you know, oh, it's unfair. And then the recording company would be like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? Like, this is obviously fair and you can't even contest it because we don't know the criteria properly. And they do that on purpose because obviously if the criteria were as plain as day, it would be very easy to say, actually, according to this metric, this metric, and this metric, this person shouldn't have won. And obviously they don't want to have to deal with that. So they just don't tell us how to win in general. And, you know, when it comes to BTS and their fight with the Grammys um, for the past couple of years, armies are naturally frustrated because we know that BTS has what it takes to win. We know that they probably should have won already, but the fact that they're not winning and the fact that they're really just not getting acknowledged the way they should it's frustrating and yet when people say that on the timeline sometimes 
you will just see the purple police coming in their little car, opening the door and just putting that army in handcuffs because they said that they were unhappy with the results. And they're like, oh, you're, you shouldn't be saying that because it's going to look bad on us or, oh, the media is going to pick up on our reactions. So we should tone it down. And it's like, I get it. Like people are going to write about us, but they were going to write about us regardless. And to make it seem like we have to tone down our reactions when I feel like that is a very natural reaction to somebody getting snubbed at the Grammys. And so it's frustrating having to deal with those types of people. And then with enlistment, you know, that's like a whole nother thing where people continuously come at BTS for the fact that they haven't enlisted yet, even though it's the government who's been making all these changes to the rules and also just delaying them and hindering BTS's plans. And so it's like when people talk about this kind of stuff on the timeline, people are like, no, you shouldn't talk about it. And it's like, why not? You know, there have even been times, especially back earlier when the enlistment discourse started, where people were suggesting that we put a trigger warning for enlistment. And I'm like, is that really necessary? It is not. That's your answer. Right, because it's like BTS, yeah, they're going to enlist, but they're not dying. You know, they're going to come back in before it was two years, but now it's uh, 18 months. So even sooner than what they would have. And then there was even that article that was published a couple of weeks ago where apparently the government is looking into giving BTS alternate service um, where they would only need to do military training for like a month and then they just go straight back to work. So we may not even have to worry about them fully enlisting like all of these other people are, um, especially when it was revealed that like, I think it was something like 72,000 people in the last few years have gotten alternate service. So BTS should definitely be able to qualify and the government should stop acting like there needs to be some sort of other like caveat for them to just not like properly enlist. And yeah, like this whole conversation, it's just so frustrating the way that people are, you know, talking about it as if like we're not allowed to have opinions. And it's one thing to just completely speak over Korean people. I definitely feel like, you know, as people who are international fans, there are times where we just need to stay out of the conversation. But then, you know, when it comes to how frustrated we feel by the situation and stuff, it's okay to voice that and people acting like we can't or we shouldn't. It's, it's just too much. Yeah, no, I agree. There are just so many instances where self-policing, it's, it's just going too far. Like, it's, we can remind each other to, you know, be respectful, but I think it is not fair to expect people to basically not have any negative opinions sometimes. It feels like in order to keep everything positive and, like, good, we're just not supposed to speak bad about event or person associated with BTS. And, and toxic positivity is a thing. You're not mm. going to celebrate everything just because it's associated with BTS. We are not going to accept crumbs and be thankful that BTS were treated um with an ounce of respect exactly and 
you know, another way in which people do too much self-policing, uh, definitely another popular one is when they only hold armies accountable in a two-sided fan war. And I see this all the time, even like these days, present day, like it happens all the time where um, let's say that some other fandom or just somebody in that fandom starts something and an army retaliates and suddenly the purple police are there saying to the army, oh, you need to stop going back and forth with them. This isn't what BTS would want or something like, oh, just because they were toxic, that doesn't mean that you also have to be toxic. Meanwhile, the person who had actually instigated the fan war is getting off scot-free um, because people, it seems, don't really care about what is happening until an army decides to retaliate. And it's not just armies themselves who self-police other armies that, you know, do this, but just other fandoms as well, when they see that there is a fight between an army and somebody from some other fandom, they will always side with the person from the other fandom because like we were talking about, our percept like other people's perception of the fandom is incredibly negative. And so even if that person had started it, people's um, perception of the fandom, like the army fandom is just so bad that it doesn't even matter what they said. It's just a problem that an army has retaliated. And, you know, it's one thing if like, for example, like the person had said something racist and you were racist back, that's something that is just unacceptable. You do not, sto you do not stoop to those types of levels just because somebody else did. But if it was just like something completely like trivial or like it's something that is like borderline deserved, then suddenly we're the problem if we retaliate. And it's just so frustrating. And I especially hate it when people try and bring up the anti-bullying campaign because like, it's just so stupid to me because first of all, just because BTS has the UNICEF campaign or whatever, first of all, it's not really like the whole point of the campaign. Like the campaign that they have with UNICEF is about ending violence against like women and children worldwide. So they completely misconstrue it. But let's say that it was the anti-bullying campaign because I know that they do have a video on that on the UNICEF page that was featuring BTS. Just because BTS have a video about that, that does not mean that they're the only ones or that armies are the only ones who need to just not quote unquote bully others. I mean, yes, BTS were part of that initiative, but it's for everybody to follow, right? So why is it only us getting in trouble when it's like, y'all should be following this too. So where's your no more bullying message for other fandoms? Exactly. It is very weird that people are so obsessed with the whole UNICEF thing. I think I think it is absolutely ridiculous to see someone, um, you know, who said NCT flop on Twitter and think that <laughs> somehow is equivalent to women and children facing um, physical and mental abuse. Like, how go outside because if you see those types of tweets and your reaction is just um i like this is just tag bts and be like control your fans when you do not have the same um ounce of ability to do that for your own fandom then i i don't want to i don't want to see it i don't want to hear it and i also think it is not there that you know armies have to continue to be the bigger person 
Um, which is why a lot of times when I see purple crime, I close my eyes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but at the same time, what Daisy said, that doesn't mean you can just be a jerk. There are some um, army Twitter accounts I see that are really just being very, just very nasty and um just like the things that they turn into jokes like should not ever be joked about and it's very weird um and i don't care what the person said about so and so member because for you to make you know jokes like let's say it's like some like a rape joke or something like that that's very disgusting um i don't care if they said the same thing about so and so you uh, by making that joke, you're not only, you know, being disrespectful to, you know, the other person, even if they don't deserve that respect, but you're disrespecting the people on your timeline who have to see that. And right, especially that. if, like, you know anyone who has actually been a rape victim, because they're going to see what you said about that other person. They think, well, if I just happen to get on your bad side, would you say this about me as well? Exactly. Um... And I think that is an instance where you do have to be mindful. I like to say that, um, you know, I've said it before many times on this podcast, but anything I say online, I will say it to your face. Um, Anything I say, um, you cannot, you know, throw a, is this you in my face? Because I'll say, yes, it is. And what about it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, agreed agreed um so if so i think that is something that people need to ask themselves um is this something that you would genuinely say to someone's face because we see that a lot with um when like k-pop stands will like um or like for example what was happening with like blinks and tablo and how they were sending him really nasty dms on instagram and he replied and then they were like oh my gosh he replied it's like oh you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna act shocked now um like don't feel bad that he saw it um if you were gonna feel bad that he saw it you should have never sent that message Right, especially when they were also going after his 11-year-old daughter. Like, I don't even know what on earth possessed them to do that. Simply because, like, he just made a singular post about being, like, the first at Coachella. And then you decide, you know what? Let's go and drag a child into this fan war. Like, I don't, It was I don't... very weird. They love to say, oh, you hate women. They love to always pull the misogyny card. It's the only card they possibly have. And saying, oh, well, this is clearly talking about girl groups. And it's like, no, it's not. Because every single post I saw with thousands and thousands of likes by Blackpink fan bases specifically said they were the first K-pop group or the first group to do this. It was always group. It was never, oh, the first, like, girl group or something um and so the fact that people were suddenly like adding context that was never the conversation moving they're basically they're moving the goalposts that's what they were doing they were like no we're talking about this when it when they get caught in their lies then they then they just have to lash out and be nasty and it really made no sense like i don't know i am so glad bts chart data will never embarrass us the way some of these other 
accounts go because like i don't know if anyone saw it it was like a black pink like global chart account or something and instead of just reminiscing about black pinks you know historic performance at coachella or whatever which they could have done they could have said oh a year ago they performed blah 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 um at coachella or whatnot no instead they said oh black pink is the first and only group to do this because CL and 21 they don't really count because they technically weren't invited um and that was like their whole thing it was like oh blackpink was personally invited like it is their whole thing and if you take that away from them they get so upset and the tweet didn't really make any sense because it's like why did you even mention like 21 or cl like why right. is them performing at coachella make you so angry it made no sense um and also, I find it really funny that they were coming at Tableau saying, oh, what about women? Support women. But you, within the past week, were bashing 21 and CL and also bashing Aespa because they're said, they said, oh, they're the first K-pop uh, girl group to perform on the main stage. And then Blackpink lost their, Black, not Blackpink, but Blinks lost their minds saying, no, 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 Blackpink was the first blah, 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 when they clearly said main stage. They said main stage, and Coachella has lots of different stages, and so for people to just, like, be so angry and spread all of that hate, just for Tableau to... <laughs> Because that, that is something I was confused about. When it was happening, I was like, why are they arguing about being the first group to do this and this? But I remember Epikai went to Coachella, like, years ago. Which is, and then literally the next day, I see Tableau made that tweet about a headline saying, oh, Epikai, first K-pop group to perform at Coachella. And that was the only thing he posted. And then suddenly, um, Tableau's getting, like, all of these nasty DMs and is being called irrelevant which is really funny um if because that just means you don't know anything about epic high um somehow just throwing haru into the conversation like i like what did she do if you don't know haru is his daughter um just like out of nowhere and this is all because they were so uncomfortable with the fact that they don't have, like, Coachella anymore. It is very right. weird to me that, you know, there's this obsession with, you know, the Coachella invitation because Coachella's not, like, that big of a thing. Like, it's a huge music festival, but if that's, like, your only bragging point, like, you, like, you need more, you need more career milestones, okay? <laughs> because right. that, you, you can't just hold on to that forever, <laughs> Exactly. And so, for when all of that was happening and all of that was going down, I was like, how, how are we seeing one fandom start, you know, start all of these issues with three fandoms unprovoked, and yet somehow armies are the ones that need to police themselves? Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. And... I feel like it really just does borderline on apologist behavior as well. Um, and for those who may not know what an apologist is, if you're an army apologist, it basically just means 
that you are constantly just apologizing on behalf of the fandom. Oh, as an army, I'm so sorry this happened to you. Oh, I'm an army, but I'm, I disagree with what this army said. Oh, I'm an army, but I think this, this, this. Basically, you just go out of your way to be a doormat for other fandoms. And it can get frustrating, especially when, um, you know, you basically just assume that armies are always in the wrong or that you feel like armies are the ones who need to be responsible or be the bigger person and tone it down for other fandoms, even when other fandoms may have instigated stuff. And then it leads to all these very like these very artificial, like fake reactions like to it. Like for example, like if an army apologizes on behalf of another army in the comments and then like people from a different fandom were like, oh, thank you for being mature, blah, blah, blah. And at least like this whole thing of like them praising each other's faves. And honestly, it kind of makes me want to throw up a little bit because it just looks so cringy. Cause I'm like, you guys can go on about all this stuff all day long, um, but then that fandom will still throw BTS under the bus at the end of the day. It's the same way that like, um, if you like, I, I don't know how many of uh, how many people of our listener base were present during that time, but like back in uh, 2018, I believe, where um, it was Tay's birthday. And for some reason, there was like on the trending page, like an army XOL, like almost like, like I guess like an alliance type of hashtag basically like there was some sort of like attempt to make a truce between the two fandoms after all that had happened and it was just so fake because like when has like it, it just seemed like a very stupid idea because you know we were still dealing present day with like xols like starting beef with armies so like i looked in that hashtag and obviously like people were still fighting and they were just like pulling each other's dirty laundry out of nowhere and so i was like what was the whole point of making this alliance hashtag obviously both the fandoms still hate each other and so i don't see the point in this needing to happen and like that's the thing um because with the people who tend to be quote unquote mediators they always tend to just overlook context when it comes to things people think that like if they you know put themselves between two people and be like oh fighting is bad that everyone's just gonna stop fighting without ever looking into the nuance of why they're fighting and what needs to actually be done for the problem to be resolved they just think that if they say stop fighting or that fighting is wrong that like that's gonna solve things when like it's like what are what is this kindergarten <laughs> right like this the whole oh remember the golden rule and it and it's like okay that that does make sense in some instances but also i am not going to be super kind to someone that is obviously going out of their way to antagonize because there's a lot of people that do that they go out of their way to be antagonistic and somehow we're supposed to entertain that and i say no to doing that exactly like people really think that just saying no no fighting is just gonna fix things like it's giving very like swiper no swiping type vibes where like Not they just swiper, think that the no other swiping. Right, they think that the other person is just gonna walk away when we tell them not to fight and it's like you're kind of just overlooking so many things right now and that's like a really big problem that people have with apologists because they're constantly just apologizing thinking that that's gonna solve things or they're constantly trying to tell 
armies not to do something and like police other armies instead of really getting to the crux of the issue and figuring out the problem because that's really the only way to resolve problems is when you dig in deep and you figure out what's really going on um, and the history behind the problem at hand and you try and work with both parties to try and solve it. That's how a good person would resolve conflict. But instead, they just come in in the heat of the moment and are like, oh, you guys need to stop. Or, oh, I'm so sorry on behalf of this person. And then they get surprised when the person they're apologizing for gets even angrier. It's like, I don't know what you thought was gonna happen. Exactly. And because we've been here for so long, we can, we can predict at this point what's going to happen. We can predict with 99.9% .9 accuracy. It's just, it's gotten too predictable at this point, which I think is why it can be a little bit annoying when, you know, we explain to armies, this is why what you're doing is not going to work. And yet people still feel like they have this, you know, self-righteous um position or like just like this attitude that even if um what they're doing has no effect they're somehow still doing the right thing when a lot of times no that's not in this context that's not how that works um once again everything is relative to context and the context that we are discussing that's just not going to work Exactly. And the last example we have of when self-policing goes too far is when people are already looking to tell armies not to behave in a certain way before anything has even happened yet. And oh I my think God, that, I that one, that. yes, it really it, infuriates people. It makes me so mad. It'll be like whenever BTS go to like interact with, um, like they go on a new type of um show with like a host or they interact with um a different artist or something and people are like remember armies you know let, let let's let's be nice and support so and so let's not send hate and it's like who was gonna send hate right who was gonna do that no Wait, why are you already jumping the gun yeah no one was talking about that until you brought it up and honestly nine times out of ten nothing does happen so, like, all of that warning was for nothing. Right. And sometimes it's usually not even as nicely worded as that. Like, sometimes they'll just straight up be like, oh, you know, I see that BTS really likes this particular artist. So I hope that armies don't send them, like, death threats or something. And it's like, whoever mentioned that before you started talking, you're already trying to preemptively do damage control and the only thing that does is make people even angrier and then now suddenly you're ratioed and for good reason because it's like why are you just trying to make it seem like we're always ready to be on the attack for like absolutely nothing and i feel like that really just kind of perpetuates stereotypes about the fandom of us just being rabid and kind of just jumping at people without so much of a critical thought and i feel like that can be incredibly condescending and they don't realize how condescending it sounds and that's why they say it but honestly i feel like people really do need to just stop doing that because this assumption that armies are just going to hate people before anything even happens kind of like just shoot first ask later vibes i don't appreciate that i think i think that really sums up why it grinds my gears so much it is so condescending 
And of course, that's kind of like the a big issue with most of the um you know purple police they're so condescending they make it seem like people can't read something and understand it on their own that someone has to tell them what is right and wrong and it's it's annoying it's infuriating and i i just i don't know if it's gonna get better with the next comeback because i know usually when we're not fed for a while um things people tend to I don't I I think just like people tend to become less focused and that's how they get you know pulled into these nonsensical roles but I I just hope that hopefully maybe this year we can see a change in environment and see see less of this policing Agreed. And so uh, the next section that we want to move on to in this episode is kind of just like the reality of ARMY's reputation. And we kind of hinted at it a bit earlier in the episode where, you know, even though we do all these things that are good, regardless of whether people see us, um, like regardless of whether we do good or bad as like armies as a whole, people will still see us as a problematic fandom regardless of what we do. I mean, people keep on saying, oh, I wish the armies would be less toxic. I wish that armies could be this. I wish armies could be that. But the thing is, a lot of people already are. You know, you talk about, like, the people talk about, oh, if BTS could harness armies' power for good, I feel like the world would be a better place. But then just continuously overlook the majority of the charity projects that armies have done over the years. Because, like, you know, for example, when, um, you know, we did the Match a Million project back in 2020 for Black Lives Matter, um, a lot of people for, like, like for a lot of people, it was their very first time seeing armies do something like that charity project, even though that we've done stuff like that charity project for years now. And, you know, it's okay if you're not familiar with the amount of charity projects that armies have done, but the way that some people act like it's the only time that we've ever done something like that, it can be pretty frustrating and it can be very dismissive of all those armies' efforts to put together all of the dozens of charity projects that have been happening for the past few years now. Um, because, you know, you look at the map that one in an army has posted onto their page about like how many projects have been done and where they've been done. Armies have quite literally done projects on every inhabitable continent, like every habitable continent in the world. So it's like, there has just been so much good that this fandom has done. And, you know, with every birthday project, for example, there's so many charity projects that people do for their birthdays. And you can see the way that they specialize it for each member. So for example, whenever it's like Namjoon, then it's like nature or animal related and stuff like that. People, you know, adopt, you know, animals at like the animal reserves or something like that, or they do ocean cleanups. And it's just really amazing to see and also the way that armies can come together and just really work hard to support BTS. And there's just so many ways in which I've seen the fandom do so much good over the years. And so the way that people just overlook it and they just act like we're always problematic or that even when we do good things that we're still problematic, while it is frustrating, that is also just a sign to me that like, it's even more of a reason why we shouldn't be 
looking to fix up our appearance for other people because you can sweep your house all you want for these people but if they walk in and see even one speck of dirt then they're just going to say that we're dirty and that just goes back to what i was saying about confirmation bias people are not looking for evidence to disprove their theories they're looking for evidence to confirm their theories so this whole like bravado that people have about self-policing like it's completely useless against these people yeah it's it's just it's never going it's never going to work it's it's just not and i think of course like we said there is an instance where you know some people do genuinely say bad things but because those people exist like i feel like that is not enough for people to just call those out now they have to make sure that everything that everyone says is in a line to like some sort of arbitrary guidelines and those guidelines are they're not even like some objective official thing um it's all subjective which is why once again you know people you know over policing it's just it, it doesn't make sense it's not going to work out exactly and um you know also over policing just the concept of over policing in general i feel like it does lead to people putting higher expectations on us like as a fandom because when you make it a thing to let people know that yes we police each other or we hold each other accountable um and again while i do think it's good to hold people accountable for things that they do that are generally problematic over policing like when you set that precedent then people will just expect that from us regardless and that's why i feel there's just a lot of double standards within the fandom um because we have set that precedent of just constantly um doing all this self-censorship that we never really hold other fandoms to that expectation um and it can be really unfair because in the case of two-sided fan wars like i was saying it's always up to armies to be the bigger person or it's always up to armies to be responsible with what they say it's always up to armies not to give a journalist uh something to write in their articles it's always up to us at the end of the day and that can put a lot of pressure on people because you know at the end of the day we're all really just fans we're here to be fans and i feel like this really just infringes upon a lot of people's fandom experience right i think um also it's not just infringing on other people's experience but for people that are policing it's infringing on their own because at the end right. of the day they're just a fan like anyone else and so I, I feel like they're probably not getting as much enjoyment as they should out of, you know, being in the fandom. And you have to remember that at the end of the day, everyone is, there. there's no fan that is greater than another one. That's just not how it works. And I think that's another thing or another reason why it comes off as so condescending because it's like, you're you know you're you're not like our mother <laughs> like you you don't have the authority that you think you do and so instead of like trying to be stressing yourself out trying to make sure that everyone is you know wearing their best sunday shoes um just remember 
just go back to your roots and just remember what it's like to just, you know, be a fan. You don't have to be so involved with what everyone is doing. Right. Especially because Twitter is just so, so exhausting sometimes. And this is coming from people who are not even the part of the purple police. Like we do not go out of our way to go and police other people on how they should say or feel. Um, and honestly, like even then, us just being fans, Twitter is exhausting, you know? Engaging in discourse can be exhausting. There are times where I do need to take a break from Twitter. Sometimes it's a couple of days, sometimes it's a week or so, but you know, I feel like if you appoint yourself as the fandom police and are just constantly on patrol looking for somebody to go and tell off and scold for misbehaving, then you're really just missing out on some of the best parts of the fandom experience and that's just genuinely interacting with other fans and talking about your love of BTS and their music and talking about things that may be happening right now. For example, if you're busy policing other people for their opinions today, you could be missing out a lot on what people are saying about the new collab uh, that Shuga just did with Psy. Um, but like, if you're so focused on telling people what to do, then you're probably just going to miss all of that. And then suddenly, you know, you look at your fandom experience and you really have nothing to show for it except for fighting with other armies about what they should and should not say. Right. And I think that is a good place to conclude the episode. Um, remember that at the end of the day, everyone is just a fan of bts and there is no need to um be so caught up in trying to uphold some holier than thou image let's just go back to our roots and relax because i feel like that's what we need a lot currently people need to just take a couple days off and you know, regenerate their little purple army spirit. <laughs> I agree. I feel like because of the fact that it's just been so long um, since we had an album that a lot of people are just really wound up. But now that we've been getting some new music and, you know, with like the whole um, collab today, like that, that with Sai and Shuga, and then obviously uh, with you that Jimin just had with uh, Ha Sung Woon, I'm just hoping that now that we have that and now that we have the confirmation that the album is coming out on the 10th of June, that everything just kind of calms down a little bit. I feel like when we all truly do focus on BTS, that's when we're just the most collected. I feel like as of like the past couple of months, it's just been fluctuating between too much and not enough sometimes when I'm on ARMY Twitter. So I'm glad that things are back to stabilizing again. Yeah, comeback season is always good. It is always really fun. Um, I think once comeback actually hits, it's going to be way more better. Oh, absolutely. So um, looking forward to that. And hopefully, you know, something is done about the policing issue by then. But yeah, um, I think that pretty much concludes today's episode. So if you have gotten this far in the episode, thank you for listening. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Talk with Army is written and edited by Daisy and Delilah, who you can find on Twitter at Nijazia329 
that is at n-a-i-j-a-0329 and adorable trap at a-d-o-r-a-b-1-e-t-r-a-p you can also follow our official podcast twitter at studio underscore zero nine zero seven one three that's at s-t-u-d-i-o underscore zero nine zero seven one three the thumbnail art was commissioned by rafa who can be found on twitter at rkdraws that's a-r-e-k-a-y underscore d-r-a-w-s stay tuned for a preview of the next episode And so he's basically saying that like in this world, so many times people just consume music so quickly and then just toss it away without ever even giving it the time to digest. And I think that that really just explains perfectly, you know, the attitude and the mentality of these entitled fans where they will just so quickly be consuming content that they just expect that continuous flow when it's not. I don't feel like that's a good standard to have and it puts so much burden onto the artists who are already working themselves to the bone. So the fact that BTS have now started going more towards that balance where they're able to still release music pretty often for um, people who say that they're starting to promote like American artists, but then at the same time they still give themselves time to uh, rest, I think that that is great for them and that's something that I would want for any artist.